0: Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word given to us in Jesus Christ, the word made flesh, and the words that have been preserved for us through the centuries in the gospel. Give us ears now to hear his word of comfort and challenge for his glory, I pray. Amen. You can be seated. Well, I hope you picked up that we had a theme this year in our lessons and carols, and the theme is peace. Peace is our theme this year for our lessons and carols. One of the criticisms that some people make of Christianity is that our conception of peace is too uh, individualistic. It's too private. It doesn't affect other people. One critic said that uh, a Christian is like a man going through a battlefield holding a rose, it's the, it's the idea of somebody who's enjoying the blessings of uh, personal peace but ignoring the misery around them and ignoring other people. And so that's a, that's a criticism that some people have made about the Christian faith and about our view of salvation and peace. It's too private. It's too individualistic. What good does it really do? In the world, Now, it's true that the fundamental peace that we all need is peace with God. All individuals, all people need to know that they are right with God. We will never be at peace in this life if we're not at peace with the one who has given us life. The one who sustains our life. In him we live and move and have our being, Apostle Paul says. He is the source of our life. He's the sustainer of our life. And we'll never be at peace if we're not at peace with Him, our Creator. And nothing in this temporal world will satisfy the eternal longings that God has put in our hearts. Not money, not power, not prestige, not sex. None of these temporary things will satisfy the eternal longings of the human heart. And we're all familiar, I think at least many of us are, with St. Augustine's prayer. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in Thee. St. Augustine was right. That this restlessness that we have, this, this longing for wholeness, this longing for peace, is pointing us to God. And the good news of Christmas, of course, is that God has made a way in Jesus Christ. For us to have this peace. For us to be at peace with Him. And we recall from Isaiah 9. That one of the titles of the Messiah. Is Prince of Peace. And then from Isaiah 53. We, we hear the prophet tell us how the Prince of Peace. Gives us peace with God. Upon Him was the chastisement. The punishment. That brought us peace and by his stripes we are healed Uh, the Messiah Jesus died for our sin in our place so we could be at peace with God and when we know this peace when when the love and the grace and the peace of God has pierced our hearts then that sets us free This sets us free so that we're not driven to live for the things of this world that cannot bring us ultimate satisfaction. But rather, we're living for God. We're living to serve others in the name of Christ, the Prince of Peace. So this is the fundamental peace that we all need. And all we have to do, of course, is turn to Christ in repentance and trust and receive this peace. So if we're messing out on that, we're messing the meaning of Christmas. I hope nobody here is messing out on that. Turn to Christ, the Prince of Peace, who made a way for you to be at peace with God. But what about that criticism? That uh, Christian peace is too individualistic, it's, it's too private, it doesn't really affect others. What good does this do in a broken and divided world? This morning, I want to remind us what Jesus told his followers in the Sermon on the Mount. I want us to hear the challenge of the Prince of Peace. It is very challenging what Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, isn't it? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. And you know that many of Jesus' contemporaries were looking for a Messiah who would be a war maker. Not a peacemaker. Somebody who would come with great power and defeat the enemies of Israel. But Jesus turned from that path. He turned from the path of violence. And he calls his followers to reject that path as well. Do you recall the words of Peter? Uh, the words that Jesus spoke to Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane when, P- when Jesus is arrested. And, and Peter took up a sword and he struck the servant of the high priest, struck his ear. And what did Jesus say? Put away your sword. And then he gives the reason why the rationale, why this doesn't work. Those who live by the sword will perish or die by the sword. That violence is just going to lead to more violence. Now, of course, the Bible teaches us that God has ordained the kingdoms of this world, the governments of this world, to bear the sword. We need the government to bear the sword to punish evildoers. So there is a kingdom that it is right for them to bear the sword. But that's not the kingdom of Christ. The kingdom of Christ does not advance by the sword, it advances by the gospel. It advances by the gospel of Christ. It advances when those who follow Christ, by the grace of Christ, seek to live out the teaching of Christ. As in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. It's important for us to remind ourselves of this today. Because there are extreme voices in our culture. In our politics. On the right and on the left. There are these extreme voices calling for violence. Or excusing violence. Uh, or, or flirting with the use of violence in the name of their righteous cause. Again, it's it's happening on the extremes. But on both sides of the extremes. In, in that kind of culture where we hear that kind of rhetoric we need as christians to remember what the prince of peace has told us blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of god he calls his disciples to turn from that path of violence so that's what we are to turn away from what we what should we turn towards what is the positive path that we're to go down well it just gets even more challenging in the sermon on the mount And Jesus says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What a great challenge. How are we to respond to our enemies? How are we to respond to those who oppose us? Well, we have heard it said If they mock you, mock them, insult them, call them names. You have heard it said, post something really nasty on social media about people who disagree with you. You have heard it said, if they hurt you, you need to hurt them back some way. But again, Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Was Jesus hopelessly naive? Was Jesus wrong on this? I mean, doesn't he understand that the situation that we're in? Doesn't he understand the cruelty of our enemies? Doesn't he understand how our enemies can can destroy what we hold to be dear? Is Jesus hopelessly naive? Let's remember who Jesus' enemies were. Let's remember that the enemies... Of Jesus' day included the people that put him on the cross. The, the, the people who had taken over the land. The Romans, taken over the land of Israel, were oppressing them. The Roman government kept its citizens in check by crucifying the troublemakers. The Roman government had figured out a formula for peace. And it was called Cruelty. You get out of line and this is what's going to happen to you. But the kingdom of Rome is no more. And Christ's kingdom endures. So, Jesus calls his disciples to another way, this path of radical peace. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote that in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches this, that only love can conquer our enemies. And and then he he says, how does that happen? How does love conquer our enemies? And he says, it's not when we ask how our enemy has treated us, but how Christ has treated us. How has Christ treated you? How has Christ treated me? And then he says, that takes us to the cross. Takes us to the cross of Christ. For the sake of his enemies, Jesus went to the cross. And there as he hung... On the cross, he prayed for his enemies. Who were his enemies? Ultimately, who were the ones who put him on the cross? Yes, it was through the instrument of the government of Rome and the machinations of the Jewish religious leaders. But ultimately, who put him on the cross? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Bonhoeffer goes on, he says, it, it is this, the cross, that opens the disciples' eyes and enables him to see the enemy as a brother. The enemy as an object of God's love who needs to stand with us beneath the same cross. cross of Christ. So, The the crucified one, the, the one who was crucified for us, friends, calls us to be radically different from the world. It's not surprising that the world teaches us to hate our enemies. But Jesus calls us to something radically different. Those of us who've known the love of God at the cross of Christ. See, the world doesn't know the God who took his first breath in a lowly manger and his dying breath on a hard wooden cross. The world doesn't know that God. We do. If we're Christians, we know that God. We, we, we have been captured by His grace and His love and what He's done for us. We were enemies of God. God loved us. Should we not love our enemies? That's as simple as it gets. We were enemies. God loved us. Should we not love our enemies? Being a peacemaker doesn't mean that we hold back from speaking the truth of God. Being a peacemaker doesn't mean that we compromise on right and wrong, good and evil. It's not loving to withhold the truth even when people who oppose us hate the truth that we're speaking. That's not loving. The incarnate Son of God, we read in the Gospel of John, He came, the Word came full of grace and what? Truth. So we're to be truth-tellers, but we're to do it in a gracious way. We're to be truth-tellers, but also makers of peace. As far as possible, live at peace with everyone, the Apostle Paul says. So this Christmas, can I ask you, and I'm asking it myself, how is the Prince of Peace calling you to make peace? Who are the people who have opposed you? Are there people who have hurt you? How are we to respond to those with whom we vehemently disagree on the issues of the day? How is the Prince of Peace calling us to be a peacemaker? Is it forgiveness? Is it forbearance, overlooking a fault, not engaging in an argument, not insulting them the way they have insulted us? How might we pray for those? Jesus says, pray for those who persecute you. How might we pray for those who have opposed us? There's a story of a a knight who was called to deal with, with a problem. The the king called this knight in to deal with a a terrible situation. A a young maiden had been captured by a dragon. And so the knight goes to take care of this problem. And as he approaches the the dragon's lair, he sees into the cave that this is a massive, fierce dragon. And the odds are are stacked against him. There's, There's no way he thinks I can conquer this dragon, but he he devises a plan. And so he waits and he watches. And he waits until the dragon turns his back and then he takes out his sword and he charges into the cave and he plunges his sword into the heart of the maiden. And then he runs away for his life. And he comes back to the king and says, the problem's over. Problem solved. (laughs) Problem not solved. (laughs) Problem not solved. The maiden was not the enemy. She was the captive. And I think the temptation for us and for me sometimes is is given the, the great divisions in our world, in our culture, the great differences that we see around us is to see people who are on the opposite side as enemies when so many of them, friends, they're captives. They're captives. They're captives to a spiritual power that we've been set free from if we know Christ. They're captives to darkness. They're captives to lies. What they need is the truth of the gospel. And the only way to push out this spiritual darkness that we're so concerned about is by shining the light of Christ. The weapons of our warfare, and this is a spiritual warfare, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they are spiritual weapons. And so it's going to take prayer and getting into the word of God and fasting and sharing the gospel and then living this out. In this dark world, the Prince of Peace has called us to shine His light. And one way we do that is by being a peacemaker. Let's hear that call. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us to do that, to hear your call in our circle of associates, friends, family. Each of us who name you as our Lord and Savior To hear the call to be a peacemaker. This is not something that I can do on my own. I confess my my heart needs to be cleansed in this area so often. It's something that you have to do in us through your grace. But we want to be open to this. So that we can shine in a dark and difficult time. Help us in this we pray. For your glory. Amen.